Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. It was a very, very special tournament. Probably the best environment I've ever played football in, I've got to say. Euro 96 was something bigger and better than, than I'd really come across. It was like a blockbuster. I still remember it as though it was like last summer because it was just a great time to be an England footballer and a great time to be an England fan. And that's That glorious hot summer, the beautiful game took over our lives. There was a wave of optimism in the air. We had Venables, we had Gaza, Shearer, Sheringham. The Euros were being played on our own turf. The country was under a hypnotic spell of Britpop and Cool Britannia. Two of Britain's most popular pop groups have begun the biggest chart war in 30 years. And the soundtrack of the summer was born. I remember playing the Holland game and almost humming along to the song, you know, the second half. The song um, became very, very special to everyone involved in the uh, Euros 96. I remember saying to Dave at those games, we've got to save this, this is our perfect summer, this will never, it just will never happen again. I'm Paul Hawksby. And I'm Andy Jacobs. And over the next hour here on TalkSport, we're bringing you a very special documentary celebrating 25 years since Euro 96 and one of the greatest anthems of all time, Three Lions. My memory of it, really, is gagging to see some competitive football. It had been such a long time since you'd actually watched England play a game that meant something. And, you know, I, th- I remember thinking at the time, well, I hope we'll all get behind the team when we get- we're bound to get there when we get into the tournament. But it was a bit of a... Because we'd played no competitive games for such a long time, we'd not qualified for the World Cup. It was a bit of trepidation, I think, in the build-up to it. The only thing is, my memories of it were so bound up with fantasy football. We were doing a European special, three half-hour programmes. We'd done the series, and I was in a bubble. All I can think about is doing that show, because it was basically almost 24 hours a day, watching games, watching bits of footage, booking guests. I mean, we were quite a small team at that point, and uh, it was a lot of work to do. But I do, I do remember doing fantasy football. Oh, 
most enjoyable afternoon of the season, this. England's recent tournament history didn't make good reading. The three Lions hadn't qualified for the 94 World Cup and they finished bottom of their group in Euro 92. But would hosting the tournament help inspire them to glory like in 66? Music producer Rick Blasky was tasked with finding a song which would excite the nation. I remember sitting in the FA offices and in front of me was a document on the table which said uh, Euro 96 had the three lions crest and they said, yeah, we've had Saatchi's in presenting, you know, to do a campaign around Euro 96. And I sort of said, and I didn't mean to be, you know, dismissive, but I said, you, are you seriously thinking of hiring an ad agency to, to tell the world that all's okay with football? And they shot back at me, well, what would you do? And I said, well, why don't we create an anthem? Why don't we create a piece of, of music that transcends, communicates everything you want to communicate? Oh yeah, and, and who would you get to do it? And I looked down and I said straight away, well, you know what Frank Skinner and David Deal do on a Friday night? That's, the, that's our audience, so I wouldn't mind asking them. Oh yeah, and what would you call it? And I looked down at the document and it said football comes home and trying to be brand friendly and client friendly. I said, well, we could call it anything you like, but I would suggest maybe football comes home. We had the privilege of sitting down with David Baddiel and Frank Skinner, who told us more. Ian said, I, he said, I just didn't feel I could write a football song. I was right, right, you know, bittersweet, romantic well, song. He also said, uh, you know, he was asked to do it because the lightning seeds were big. Mm. Not that they're not big anymore, but you know, they, it was a big 90s moment for them. And then he, he said that I think you and Frank are the nation's football fans, mm -hmm. which, you know, we sort of were at the time. But and we wouldn't have sublet it. That's oh, no, we, that's absolutely correct. If, we, if they'd come we to us... We wrote the music yeah. and played all yeah. the instruments. Yeah. 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 I certainly wouldn't have. I mean, it's a great, it's an amazing phone call. Mm. Bear in mind, the first single I ever bought in my life was Back Home yeah. by the England World Cup team. To be asked to do one, I mean, it was, it was, I, I didn't hesitate for a second. Mm, I definitely think... wanted to do it. The Lightning Seeds frontman Ian Brodie joined forces with Baddiel and Skinner to create the record. Here's how the process began. Ian Brodie said, can you come up to my studio in Liverpool? And he played this song on the acoustic guitar. I'll play it. It, there was no words or no, no melody to the vocal, I don't think. He just played with the chords and stuff. And I la 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 along with him, and we I taped it on a, a cassette player. Mm -hmm. I took the cassette back and yeah. played it so, for him. Yeah. So we were, we I remember writing it all, the two of us in this flat that we shared, sitting in the room mm. that is sort of the room that fantasy football yeah. was based on, right? So that flat that we shared, we we sat in there, we listened to that cassette which just had la on it, and and did write it in about two or three days. Possibly even less. Oh, less than that, I think. Because yeah. we, once we knew what it was going to be, mm. I quite like rhyming and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So it was actually very, yeah. very enjoyable. I think one of the things about Three Lions is that when we sat down to write it, the key element of it was we're going to try and write a song that is actually about the reality of being an England fan, perhaps mm. the reality of being a football fan, which is that most of the time you think you're going to lose, mm. right? Or certainly most of your experiences you're going to lose. It's not going to come up to your expectations. England had this long history of releasing songs saying we're going to win, yeah. which turned out to be wrong. Yeah. So basically, Three Lions is written from the point of view of we probably won't win. 
Everyone's saying we're rubbish, <laughs> uh, which they do most of the time. But there's this kind of magical thinking that goes on where you believe that despite that, mm-hmm. you are, we are going to win. And that's really how the song chimes, I think, with football fans. With there being a host of tournament football songs prior to Three Lions, Baddiel and Skinner looked to create something special. All football songs, up to the point of Three Lions, hadn't, in my opinion, been football songs, right? They, they vaguely might refer to football, but, you know, World in Motion, which is a very good song, but really it's just a love song mm. with a rap by John Barnes in the middle of it. Our song mentions... Gary Lineker and Bobby Moore and, you know, specifically a tackle that he did against Brazil in 1970. This is very specifically Mm. properly about football. And that's not usual. Those songs tended to be very generalised beforehand. Back to football matters now. As a head of the tournament, England's poor form on the pitch was made even worse by their actions off it. The squad travelled to China for a pre-Euro 96 trip, now famously remembered for the infamous dentist chair incident in Hong Kong. The players were up against it before a whistle had even been blown, as described by Stuart Pearce, Darren Anderton and David Seaman. Firstly, you've got to understand, uh, leading into the tournament, the reason why the team went to Hong Kong in the first place was to avoid potential crowd trouble around Europe or or staging friendlies uh, nearer home. So there was that element of nervousness about what the crowd situation would be. I, I think coming back in, expectation was reasonably high as normal. But the form of the team was really poor. I've, I've got to say, you know, leading into the tournament, we weren't playing particularly well. And as I say, the build-up was was a little bit fractured. You've got to try and get that club bond and that team ethic. And Terry Venables was the best at that. And yes, you know, what people talk about Hong Kong, that sort of thing, and we were vilified for doing it. But it brought us together. You know, you've got to go out with your mates. You've got to have a beer with them. And, you know, that's how you, you get to know someone better, you know. And that's what that did. On top of that, we got battered for it. Terry made sure that we all stuck together. We kept everything in-house and it just went from there, really. Coming off the bathroom of Hong Kong and the dentist chair and all that sort of stuff. You know, that led to the press really hounding us and, and hounding Gaza. And, and actually, at one stage, they wanted to divide the squad. And we were like, as a player, we're like, no, what are you thinking of? He's our best player. You know, so it was, um, you know, it was strange before. Um, but... But we were okay because we could just deal with it by closing the doors, you know, and, and then just all grouping together and thinking, right, we're not giving anything out. Let's let's all get together and we'll show them what we can do. Welcome back to It's Coming Home, the story of three lions. I'm Paul Hawksby. And I'm Andy Jacobs. And we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Euro 96 and the Colt England song, Three Lions. England didn't get off to the finest start as they drew one all with Switzerland in the tournament opener at Wembley. But it wasn't just the football that left supporters underwhelmed as three Lions struggled to make an impact with the fans. Here's music producer Rick Blasky and Badil and Skinner. I remember there being a general sense, probably in our case associated with the song, of like, oh, well, that's, it's not going to be a big deal. But a general sense of, we've been looking forward to this tournament for ages and it's going to be that thing mm-hmm. of England not doing that well. Because yeah. if they can't even beat Switzerland. I mean, we were yeah. on the halfway line in front of the press box. Yeah. It was like, if you had a dream about being at Wembley, it's yeah. the view you'd have in that that's dream. That's true, and the old Wembley, which, sure. you know, in many ways 
was better. It was a dreadful game. The crowd were not into it. England were awful. And it, it was like a damp squib and it just didn't, it just didn't pick up at all. The radio pluggers at Sony took it to radio. No response from the from the producers. You know, there was no appetite for getting behind England. Your Royal Highness, my lords, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wembley Stadium and the opening ceremony of the 1996 European Football Championship. At that stage, three lines had not really caught the imagination. And then Mick Hucknall came out and uh, in a grey suit. I mean, funny look. But he came out and sang uh, We're In This Together, which was the official anthem uh, of the Euros. With respect, it wasn't much him, it was the song. Just everybody sort of fell asleep. I'm slightly worried it was being piped into the England and Swiss dressing rooms, which is why they got (laughs) such a dog of a game. It is a hugely disappointing result. And certainly, as far as England was concerned, in the second half, a disappointing performance. Padil and Skinner weren't only looking to impress the fans with three lions. They also hoped for the players' approval. We went to, um, wherever it is, what's it called, Burnham Beaches, I think with Ian, and played the squad, the squad that was getting ready for Euro 96, three lines. And it was really awkward. (laughs) It was really awkward, because they all just sat around, all these people. They were having their, they'd had their dinner, and they wanted to just go and do yeah, what yeah. footballers do in yeah. the afternoons. Yeah. And um, they said, hold on guys, before you go, like someone who had authority there said, yeah, we Venables just want you to listen to this. I think Venables, Was it Venables who yeah. said it? Well, he had authority. Yeah. Uh, and we got like a, you know, a CD, yeah. portable mm. a boom CD. Box. And, and this is the England team <laughs> yeah. sitting there and we've got to play this song yeah. say, see if they like yeah. it. Can you and, and also, we're talking about young footballers who are not different then to how they are now so they're not interested in much anyway uh, and yeah I, I just remember them sitting there pretty stony in, yeah. in my head Gaza got up and turned it off but I might have just made that up <laughs> Gaza was um, was uh, it's like it off. Yeah, although Gaza went on to love it. And yeah. I, yeah, he's told me, he's told us probably, he went on to love it. They used to play it in the coach on the way to the yeah. game or whatever. But yeah, the only thing we remember as being a positive note is Terry Venables had some car keys a Merc or a BMW, oh, who knows? And he was sort of like in, uh, tapping one against his palm and he oh. said, oh yeah, it's a, it's a real key tapper, <laughs> isn't it? And England's Stuart Pearce and David Seaman remember that day too. Badil and Skinner come into Burnham Beach's hotel. This was about a week before the tournament. They played the record on, on a stereo there, put it on the table and played it and we all looked at each other and we thought, oh, another crap football shot. It was strange because I can remember doing a video for it. We did it up at uh, Bisham Abbey and um you know Badil uh, and Skinner were there and you know like as footballers you you like you don't want to like start dancing around and looking like an idiot because you know not a lot of footballers have got rhythm um I'm certainly one of those but um you know it was one of those things I remember just standing back and thinking really this is the song welcome to Wembley for England against Scotland the oldest international fixture of them all. England played familiar foes Scotland in their second group game. They had everything to play for and looked to cause an upset. The intense rivalry between these two is always met with a must-win attitude, but the stakes were even greater that day with both sides' Euro 96 futures in the balance. Former Scotland striker Ali McCoist felt the pressure building ahead of a huge game at Wembley. I think it's probably bigger for the Scots than it is for the English, to be fair, but for us, 
it's it's everything, absolutely everything. And it used to be far. The fixture used to be far more regular. They used to have the home international championships back in the seventies and things like that. And we used to play Scotland England games. Used to be far more regular. So if anything. They've, get mo- they've become more important. If England were to beat the Scots, they would need help from their star players, Paul Gascoigne being one. He had everything, flair, agility and bags of talent. But after the incident in Hong Kong, the media hounded him for his antics. Gazza was desperate to do his talking on the pitch, but first he had to convince his manager, Terry Venables. I remember I couldn't sleep the night before playing years and I went to his room at half past ten at night and knocked on his door and woke him up and he said, what's the matter, sit down. I says, am I playing tomorrow? I I've got to play against the guys. I want to play against them. He says, I can't play it. And he says, I can't play it. And I, I tears my eyes, why not? He says, well, look at the first game. And I says, I know, but that was the first game. I was obviously a little bit too nervous or too excited. I don't know. He says, well, I'm thinking of not playing you and I'm going to play somebody else because Scotland are a strong team and that. And I said, oh, no. And it went on for 45 minutes. And now I'm got tears in my eyes. And he says, I'm sorry, go and go to bed. So as I'm walking out, I'm thinking I'm a playing now. And he went, Gaza. And I turned my head like a walk. He went, of course you're playing. You get to sleep. I went, OK, cheers. I'm so excited I couldn't even sleep then. And that decision by Terry Venables would prove to be the correct one. England were already 1-0 up through Alan Shearer. And then Gaza, topped with bleached blonde hair, in his pomp on a beautiful sunny day, served up a magical and iconic moment which would go down in Euro's history. Oh, here's Gascoigne. Gascoigne, he can finish it here. the field to the other the crowd are in raptures when the ball come to this I had a quick look and I, I can see Colin Henry coming at us I think if he slowed down I would have had to bring it down and obviously beat the, both of them um, I knew I hardly sp- scored a goal against Andy Gorham in training anyway but when I've seen him come I flicked it over perfect and I'm thinking just hit it because I, I put myself in a great position and I was coming to my right foot and as I've smashed it it's like dipped as well at the same time and I've went to celebrate, and honestly, I wanted to look at Andy Gorham and say, oh, stick it up you, you lad. But I didn't, and I knew we'd be raging, but I just did the celebration. It's a glorious goal, which gets better with age, and the celebration matched the occasion as Gaza had the last laugh, reenacting the dentist chair. The media would apologise after witnessing his moment of genius, which to this day still leaves Gareth Southgate, Terry Venables and Stuart Pearce in awe. It kind of tells you a bit about how calm his thinking is in, in a way that, you know, any of the rest of us that scored that goal would have been doing laps of Wembley and an amazing goal and an amazing moment. No one knew that, that Hendry was behind him. They'd got his centre-half coming across and he couldn't have seen him. He just lobbed it over his head, studs showing and crashes it. Gazza's goal there just put to bed exactly any pressure Gazza was under and it was calls for him to be left out of the squad and stuff like that, you know, um, because of some of the pictures from the Far East. But that goal would light up any tournament anywhere in the world and that was the defining moment, I think, where the whole country, uh, England-wise, got together. But that goal wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for David Seaman's penalty save only moments before. Now, let's see whether McAllister's nerve will hold. Still to this day, people have questioned whether supernatural forces had their say at Wembley. Did the ball move from the penalty spot when Gary McAllister took his run-up? Magician Yuri Geller believes he made it happen. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that I moved the ball away with my mind power from Gary McAllister's foot. And it was unbelievable timing. But when I shouted, 
one, two, three, move, then the rest is history. Yeah, I know what I call it, but uh, <laughs> anyway, good old Yuri. He was always full of it, really. And he was insistent. He really sincerely believed it. And when you look at the clip, the ball does move. It's undeniable. The ball moves. Gary McAllister says it did move as well, doesn't he? he you know, he maintains it. I mean, what forces were at work? I mean, who knows? It could have been... Wind. Wind. <laughs> I think you'll find. Uh, <laughs> it probably was. That's not as interesting, is it, wind? As no. <laughs> Yuri Geller in a helicopter. A brilliant save! McAllister holds his head. And Scotland denied an equalising goal. So whilst Uri is adamant he used mind power to move the ball and influence the result, what did David Seaman and Ali McCoist both make of it all? I am telling you the ball moves. I don't think it affects Gary because the strike's sweet and the strike is almost perfect and, and, and David makes a brilliant save, but I'm telling you the ball moved. Well, if he was that powerful, why don't you do something in the Germany shootout? <laughs> you know, but to be fair, when Gary actually approached the ball, it, it did start moving a little bit. It was nothing to do with anything. Else. You know, if he tries to take any credit for my save, I'll, I'll have a little chat with him when I see him. <laughs> As England celebrated victory, the song, which had so far made little impact, was finally embraced by the supporters for the first time. Here's Rick Blasky and Badil and Skinner. The sun comes out. Mm. The DJ, who was told by the FA not to put it on. I think just for the England-Scotland game, because yeah. that song is too partisan for that game. Don't yeah. put on that one. He did anyway. And then, I do think, even though I've said this a million times, this still does give me goose pimples. The moment that suddenly, spontaneously, every England fan started singing the song, they all knew the words. And they're still on the pitch, and you get that starting off. Yeah, yeah. And, as you say, it was like... We just fast-forwarded to the time when everybody sang yeah. it. They, it was just, they just hit, hit the ground rock. It's incredible, yeah. And it yeah. was. Um, oh, yeah. I could cry now talking yeah. about it. it. I can't tell you how that felt. You know, we were football fans. And I'll tell you what it felt like. It was like we were sort of part of the, the team. When McAllister missed the penalty and then Gaza scored the wonder goal, Suddenly, after that, I remember on the Monday morning, Chris Tarrant was doing the Capital breakfast show and Chris Evans was doing the Radio 1 breakfast show and both of them played it and they put commentary in. And that was the moment, you know, that was the moment it picked up and then the momentum started. But my God, I mean, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Chris Tarrant fondly recalls being one of the first DJs to play Three Lions on his Capital breakfast show, a song he fell in love with. I knew Frank anyway pretty well and uh, I was just amazed he'd made actually a great song uh, and we loved it and the whole thing about you know it's coming home we've played it on and off over years and it is that thing about all the years of hurt all the sadness all the all the sort of times we nearly did well and all that and all the you know however badly we do every four years we still want to believe the next time legendary broadcaster john motson was working as a commentator throughout euro 96 when the song started to grip the nation. It was just right for its time as well, you know. The, 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 it was the sort of song the players could sing on the bus, which they did on the way to Wembley, you know. It, it, was, it gripped you. And uh, it, it was like something that had been created from our own country for our own country. Still to come, you'll hear all about the incredible atmosphere at Wembley when England destroyed the Dutch... You'll hear from Badil and Skinner as Three Lions tops the charts and Stuart Pearce takes a trip down memory lane to recall his famous penalty celebration. Wow, he's fired up for that! 
every game in knockout football at that tournament might have been my last in an England shirt. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Welcome back to It's Coming Home, the story of three lions. I'm Paul Hawksby. And I'm Andy Jacobs. And we're reflecting on 25 years since Euro 96 and the iconic football anthem, Three Lions. With optimism and belief from the supporters rising, Euro 96 saw a nation united in the hope that this England side could do something very special. Commentator John Motson remembers witnessing the unique occasion. The atmosphere, well, it was it was the flags, it was the it was the colour, it was the it was the song, it was the fact that where you couldn't walk down a street and, and not be reminded that it was Euro 96. And I remember walking up the steps to the stadium and thinking, this is unbelievable. I've never, because I'd been around quite a while then, I'd never experienced um, an atmosphere uh, and, and a kind of a, a feeling of togetherness, if you like. Everybody being pro-England and wanting us to win. But when England faced tournament favourites Holland and put them to the sword, demolishing them 4-1 at Wembley, this was when Darren Anderton and Teddy Sheringham knew the team could be on course to do something remarkable. You couldn't get a better day. Scoring two goals, being named man of the match, you just have to look back and think they were beautiful days. I think it's definitely the best team performance I've probably played in. You feel like you can't get tired. The adrenaline is so high. The confidence is so high you know once we got the first goal the penalty it's 1-0 England a perfect penalty three games three goals Alan Shearer I feel like that's the, the performance that Terry Venables have probably been waiting for for two years 
playing different systems, this, that, and everything else. But that was the the performance that was his aim. This game, you could just enjoy it. The last 30 minutes, you could enjoy, you could take it all in and just think, wow, you're part of something really special. Jonathan Pierce was there that day commentating for Capital Gold and he recalls the incredible atmosphere in the stadium as he and the rest of the fans began to truly believe that football was coming home. One of the best days of my life in terms of being a football commentator, the whole pomp and majesty of a great Wembley day and the weather and Euro 96 building and Sheringham and Shearer building together and Gascoigne prompted and all of a sudden you start to think my god we're going to win this oh and a deflection and a super save and Sheringham it's four oh it's incredible now I didn't make this game it's the one game of uh, England's campaign that I missed uh, actually and what a one to miss it was uh, a special night it was just one of those all time incredible England performances you couldn't quite believe what you were seeing no, absolutely. That describes it perfectly. It was one of England's most impressive wins in international history. They played brilliantly that night. Shanghai! What a super header! What a big smile! And what delight for the fans! England's success that day was matched by the song's increasing popularity amongst fans as it grew into an anthem. Here's music producer Rick Blasky. The noise when they played it. Um, and I remember turning around to whoever I was sitting next to from the FA saying, job done. You know, because I think the, the definition of an anthem is when the public take ownership of it. And from that day on, we could stop force feeding it. You know, the, it, the public gave it the oxygen. A quarterfinal against Spain beckoned for England as expectations on the team reached boiling point. A place in the semi-final would come down to penalties. Stuart Pearce would step up to take one with the pressure on his shoulders once more. But with every goal comes a celebration, and his was one of pure relief. Nobody really wants to see him miss it. And he hasn't! Three out of three for England! Wow, he's fired up for that! I decided to retire from international football after the tournament, so there was always that emotion with myself and obviously my penalty history from six years earlier missing a penalty in a semi-final at the World Cup so um, there was a lot of things in the mix if you like certainly before and I never knew you know if we lost that penalty shootout that every game in knockout football at that tournament might have been my last in an England shirt so emotionally it was a it was a big time taking a penalty is that long walk your mind changes you're not sure by the time you're there if you don't keep a clear head you're going to be in trouble when i'm there watching stuart go up it's like oh wow okay trust him 100% because you know the man he is he's a leader he's he's a, you know he's a he's a captain but there is a thought for him that a you don't want to miss a penalty for your team but also for him knowing what he had been through before. I'm watching Stuart Pearce walk down to take a penalty now. I'm thinking, oh my God, why have you volunteered? You know, because obviously of what went on in 1990, um, you know, the pressure was on big time. But Stuart being Stuart, he wanted to prove to everybody, you know, that he's got the ball and this is how I'm going to do it. And then when he scored it, you know, and it, it wasn't the best penalty, if I'm honest, but he scuffed it in. Um, and then he just came over and he was like screaming and shouting and he was like looking straight at me and I'm thinking, oh my God. I spent my time from the age of uh, five uh, living in the borough of Brent. I worked at Wembley um, as a kid and, and all of those things. So I had a real connection with the stadium as well, as well as England. So yeah, it was an emotionally a big one and, and more importantly, I think scoring the penalty in that game give us another step towards qualifying to go to the next round of the competition where we felt as though we were growing as a team. Nobody 
really wants to see him miss it. All of us, as we got to pens, I remember the guy I was with at the game saying, Pierce, is Pierce going to take one? We were all, the, that was the buzz. Mm. And that's all, as soon as he picked up and st- stepped up and got the ball, we were just praying for him to score after what had happened at Italia 90. We were all so desperate for him to score. What a big moment for him. And it said so much about Stuart that he could step up and do that. And this was a tournament, wasn't it, full of iconic moments. His celebration, you know, certain things really stick in your mind about this tournament. And that's one of them. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, yeah, a great moment for him, a great moment of redemption. Yeah, laying a ghost to rest, wasn't it, after what had happened in Italy. Mm. It was just, it was an amazing moment. And I think you kind of felt there... We can't lose this. You know, now Stuart Pearce has scored. This, this is going our way. Wow, he's fired up for that. With the semi-final on the horizon, English excitement was at fever pitch. Three lions basked in the euphoria as the song reached number one in the charts ahead of the big game. Here's Badil and Skinner. I did think it was good. Mm-hmm. And I did think it was... It, oh, this will speak to football fans. Yeah. But I think a few people I vaguely remember saying, do you think it will be sung on the terraces? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, whole songs aren't sung on the terraces, like just bits or whatever. And I vaguely remember saying that. Now, of course, football's coming home. Mm-hmm. Is char- but actually, the whole song was sung, bef- you know, yeah, at the end yeah, of games yeah. and before games. And that I hadn't expected that. I always thought it was going to be. When I first heard it played back, um, you know when people say, would you have expected for one sec? Well, yeah. I did, absolutely. <laughs> Despite Three Lions having notable success, it's also had its critics. And in recent years, there have been accusations of arrogance around the song's lyrics. Here's journalist Tim Vickery. I remember being back during Euro 96 and loving the atmosphere and loving the atmosphere that that song created. Now, the controversial thing, I think, probably internationally, is this this thing of football's coming home. That's because it's a game that belongs to the entire world. So that idea of football's coming home, that has rubbed some people up the wrong way. So what does David Baddiel make of this opinion? I think that because the song is quite vulnerable, lyrically, about how we're probably going to lose, it doesn't feel triumphalist and aggressive and nationalistic, I don't think. I think it feels quite kind of moving and sort of a vulnerable type of patriotism, right? So when... You ever say that it's coming home thing is arrogant? I think, well, that's really not what it's meant to be. Mm. That's that's maybe just interpreting those three words yeah, yeah, yeah. in that way. Welcome back to It's Coming Home, the story of three lions. I'm Paul Hawksby. And I'm Andy Jacobs. The big day had finally arrived as England and Germany both took to the stage. A mild evening here at Wembley. Filled with noise and with high emotion, we await Wembley's biggest football occasion in 30 years. So England's Euro 96 hopes and dreams rested on a euphoric occasion, a semi-final date with Germany and the prize being a place in the Euros final. Nobody was ready for the party to end and the build-up to it was incredible. Here's Stuart Pearce and Germany's captain, Jürgen Klinsmann. To be fair, the euphoria that was generated around the stadium, around the country, the, the semi-final against West Germany was, was just a sensational game of tournament football, I think. It was an atmosphere I've never, ever experienced uh, uh, before because the way the, the fans really embraced that game and even both sides. I mean, we had a couple of thousand fans, German fans there as well. 
I mean, it was really party time. It was just like, now let's go out and better team may win and, and let's enjoy every minute of this game. And it was an energy um, in the stadium with obviously when this song then, you know, came through the, to the yeah, voices of all the supporters there, it, it became massive. Football matches are won and lost on fine margins, with this semi-final being one of them. It was extra time and golden goal. If you score, you win. It was that simple. The pressure was immense. And one chance in particular fell for Gaza, which could have changed everything. Trying to get Shearer on the far side. Onto the volley. He went for it. I swear, if he had, I would. If he had that faintest of touches, I would have scored. But the minute he's left, well, obviously he didn't make it. I'm like, I can't believe. It. Every time I look at it, I think, God, I keep on thinking about my celebration. A championship-defining moment, which came and went for England. But what did Sol Campbell, Jurgen Klinsmann, and Terry Venables make of it as they watched on from the sidelines? It's coming across. The goalkeepers came out to cut it out, and therefore he could see that Kopka's going to touch this, and I'm going to slow down. He slows down, and he misses it. Unforgettable moments, no matter if you're now on the losing or on the winning side. This is the the drama. The drama, really, of of football um, is that you know just a tiny, tiny little piece can make the difference. A tiny decision, um, yeah, and the moment. Momentum, you know, the momentum and there are chances in your career that you miss. They will, unfortunately, they're not going to come back. If he slides a little bit earlier, gets in, or if he's a foot taller, <laughs> he, he, he studs it in the net. And that's how, and that's what I mean. It comes down to small, mar- that's the margin. It was an amazing moment. I found myself at that game sitting right above the German fans, where all the German fans were situated at that end of the ground when it happened. And I just remember seeing Shearer put it across the goal. And from our angle, it looked impossible to miss. And Gazza had made a fantastic run. And it just seemed, I don't know if it was Yuri Geller again, but it just, <laughs> the ball moved. It seems to bobble just as it gets yeah. to him. And it, every time you see it, it looks he, impossible to miss. Gazza's right. He says it himself. And you're right, Paul. You say it. It's, that is the key abiding mo- memory of that particular miss. You look at it and you go, now he's going to score. Every time you, I've seen it a thousand times, he's going to score and he doesn't. And you just think, how? How did he miss that? And it looked as though it needed, well, it did need just the merest touch. And suddenly it looked as though England were into the final. So England's fate rested on a penalty shootout and the fairy tale dreams of the nation were crushed in the cruelest of ways. Recently forced his way into the England side, Southgate. Saved it! Football would have to wait. It wasn't coming home. The Germans go into the final and England are out. The dream is over for England and for Terry Venables. I was on the pitch and obviously I went down onto my haunches and I was thinking, no, no, we're out now. That's it. We're going home. But then this feeling of pride and and when you looked at all the fans, you know, they were all right, they were disappointed. But what we'd done for the England fans was brilliant. You know, it was was something to be proud of. You know, we got to a semi-final. We... We've made the England fans love the England team again. When he missed it, the the, the sigh, you f- almost felt you heard the whole nation sigh, not just the people in the room. We were just absolutely sort of strung up with the fact that we'd been so close and suddenly in one flash, 
it was all over. So close, ifs and maybes, but um, it was definitely fantastic to, to be involved in it. Uh, it's a shame we, we couldn't go all the way, get to the final, win the final. It wasn't meant to be, but um, of course, when you look back at it, I look back on it with, with so much pride, but also a tinge of what could have been. And here's Frank Skinner. I don't know what would have happened if we got to the final. I don't know. We'll never know what would have happened with the song. They were going to get us on the pitch singing it mm. and stuff like that. But, I mean, that is the, the story of Three Lions, if you like, is it's like Devon Lock, the, uh, the, yeah. the king's horse, where it fell just before you know, mm. the, the, the victory line. It was all going great. We will never know what that experience of the final would have been like, because surely we, we would have beat Czech Republic. Germany went on to win the tournament. But to rub further salt into the open wounds of England supporters, the German team and public inherited Three Lions, a song made for England but embraced by the champions. Captain Jürgen Klinsmann adored the song. We loved it, you know, in terms of obviously the Euros being played in England, you know, 30 years after winning the World Cup. Um, it had a, a, a very special meeting to everyone in England, but it's also a, a beautiful song to kind of sing along, even if you're not English. And uh, I just remember that um, you know, we listened in the hotel to it and then it became bigger and bigger and bigger and it, it ended the way that we kind of uh, yeah, enjoyed it so much that we sang it uh, um, after obviously being fortunate enough to win and the trophy. We sang it on the balcony of the, the Frankfurt uh, Civic Center when we, had, we kind of showed the trophy to 20,000 German fans. Like a dagger to the heart, isn't it? Yeah, no need to rub it in, Jürgen. <laughs> we get the idea. So the song may have been adopted by the German public, but 96 was only the beginning for Three Lions. After the success of the original, Badil and Skinner reunited with Ian Brody to release a new version ahead of the 98 World Cup in France, which topped the charts. I'm not wild about the 98 remake. Mm. I was always a bit annoyed when sometimes people would play Three Lions, often <laughs> I'd come on to some chat show and they would play Three Lions again as the intro or whatever, and I would hear that it was the 98 version, and I always think, no, it, it's not as good. I mean, it's good, but I, I think of the er uh, version, the archetype yeah. version, as the 96 version. I mean, I love the fact that we got it. Four, you know, yeah. four times it went to number one, thanks to the 98 and thanks to 2018 and all that. 22 years after it was created, Three Lions flew to number one in the charts for a third time as the nation was swept with World Cup fever in 2018. I think one of the things about when it happened in 2018, I mean... Can we just make one thing absolutely clear as well about Three Lions, right? Which is, obviously, we love it and it's great, but it is incredibly tied. And this is such a weird thing because this is not true of any other piece of music or piece of art to the, the success of a sporting team. Mm -hmm. So we, it will do no good at all if England don't do well. So the fact that we yeah. got through to the semi-final was why it was doing that. But then there was this extra thing, which we hadn't had before, which is people having street parties and singing footballs coming home, whatever in wherever it might be, Doncaster or wherever, 
putting that on social media, and then it was ballooning. Well, it was the memes, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the memes, memes yeah. changed it. 2018, that really, really came home because we didn't release it in 2018. It was we just it was done. My kid was born in 2012, so he was six in 2018, and I've got a video of him sing at the end they played the song and him singing his head off with all the crowd singing three lines at yeah. the end and you know it's pretty special no, that's yeah, because every i don't know if this is true for mom but every dad deep down wants to be their kid's hero if just for a short time and 2018 gave me a it gave it rewound mm. 1996 with my kid there to witness it. Ashley Young was an integral part of the squad which reached the semi-final in Russia, and he remembers the song's comeback and the incredible It's Coming Home atmosphere. It was obviously nice to, to see the, the song come out and obviously people singing it, you're hearing the fans uh, singing it non-stop um, after the games and stuff. I think it got you speechless because of the way that they were after the games. The fans, they I, I wouldn't say just after the games because it was... Before, before the warm-up, you could hear them. During the warm-up, you could hear them. During the games, you could hear them. After the games, they were so loud. With Euro 96 celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, for those involved in the tournament, it provided some wonderful memories. Everybody was involved with it, not just the players, not just the press or anyone else, but everybody had a part of that because it was our home. How lucky I am to have been part of it, to be in those dressing rooms, to be in Hong Kong and that, you know, have that... That bond with that group of players is is really special and, um, of course, a highlight from, from my career. The memories of it are just fantastic. All right, obviously, it's got a little bit of sadness right at the end, but it was something to be really proud of. I think it was a tournament that we can reflect on and say, you know, as a country, we, we really done ourselves proud. I mean, the games just ended up being a crescendo of noise, you know, during them and after them. It was just incredible. We were, at the end of the day, able to win it and then to enjoy that moment, kind of walking up the stairs at Wembley, uh, seeing the green and, and getting handed over. Obviously, those are moments that you will never, ever forget. Numerous football songs have been created over the years as a way of inspiring the nation's support. Some did well... <laughs> some not so well. But few have achieved what Three Lions has. So is it the greatest football song of all time? The Vidal Skinner song sort of eclipsed everything. It's still for me the best the best one. I just loved it and all that stuff about so many jokes, so many snares, you know, all those oh so nears. I mean, that is every England fan. It is the favourite football song, you know, because it evokes so many memories for me. I actually thought the song was okay and I still quite enjoy hearing it because when I hear it, it just reminds me of the kind of passion that football fans have for, for the national team. It was a, a beautiful uh, um, song in terms of for the fans, easy to sing, to come along with and uh, the song will We'll, we'll never get old. There'd never been a football song like that before. So it was it was unique in lots of different ways. Just to be part of it, I mean, <laughs> they were quite right, Skinner and Bedeal. Football really had come home.
So there we are, an incredible summer where we believed it was coming home. We still reminisce on the heartbreak and what could have been. A tournament where we celebrated, we sang and we cried, but for those few weeks we fell in love with our football team again. 30 years of hurt may now be 55 years, but in 1996 a song became an anthem and we had a team which made us believe. With three lines being timeless, maybe one day we'll sing it when football does come home. Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 